What up, what up? Welcome back to the There's More podcast. This is Hannah Nitz. So glad you joined us for another week of awesome. Uh, This podcast exists and goes, you know, pretty much every week because I want you to know, friend, that there's more to experience in your relationship with God. I think so many of us have been believers Um, or have been Christians or love God for a while, and we think we have all there is, uh, guess what? There's more. So I hope you are starting to get (laughs) that gist from our conversations. Today, I'm really excited to welcome back Noelle Beck to the podcast. If you remember pieces and parts of Noelle Beck's resume, uh, her and I met when I was 12 years old. Uh, She's 10 years older than me, so I was 12, she was 22, and she was my youth group leader, my youth pastor, at my church here in Akron, Ohio. So Noelle was one of the first people and one of the most influential people in my relationship with Jesus. Um, I grew up in a Christian home and went to a Christian school, but something about the way Noelle talked about Jesus, even as a 12-year-old, captured me. She, I remember her teaching me about prayer. I vividly remember this because I can picture the classroom we were sitting in at the chapel in Akron and she was talking about prayer and someone asked a question about, don't we kind of always say the same words though? Like, you know, we pray before we eat and we pray before we go to bed and it's kind of always the same thing. And Noelle, to a classroom of 12 year olds, was like, no, absolutely. You talk to God like you talk to anyone else. You don't always say the same thing. She said, if you want to tell God that you had mac and cheese today, tell him you had mac and cheese today. (laughs) And I just remember that so vividly 20 years later. So Noelle and I get to work together now in a lot of different ways, which is the coolest thing that she is still very much a mentor of mine and disciples me in so many ways. But there's these new areas of life where as adults, we get to do ministry and do work together, which is honestly one of the coolest things ever. And uh, we've done that with Akron Women on Purpose, which are conferences that Noel puts on every year here in Akron, Ohio. Our last one was March 7th, 2020. Um, another thing we've been able to do together, which also fits under this Akron on Purpose umbrella, are boot camps. And... These spiritual boot camps are a 10-week program where we get together once a week and essentially help individuals um, grow in their relationship with God and in spending time one-on-one intentionally with God. Sound familiar? Sounds sounds like a lot of what I talk about on the There's More podcast. Um, So much of what I've learned about my relationship with God has come from Noel. I've told you that before. Um, but out of all the things we talk about at boot camp, we talk about uh, prayer, we talk about worship, we talk about reading the Bible, we talk about hearing from God. Like we work on these spiritual rhythms that help us grow in our regular interactive relationship with God. But one of the topics, the fifth topic we talk about is the freedom of the gospel. Now, that sounds basic. Like, you're like, are you sure that message is for Christians? Because by definition, if you're a Christian and you believe in God, you know what the freedom of the gospel is. You know that the gospel, this amazing story of the Bible, the story of God wanting a relationship 
with us to be restored to such length that he would send his son to die and cover our sins. Like, we know that story. What else could there be? Well, guess what? (laughs) There's more. Every time Noelle and I, well, really Noelle, I'm like more of her sidekick, but you know, I'm still there. I'm like, she's the Batman, I'm the Robin, okay? So when Batman is teaching about the freedom of the gospel during boot camp, we will be in a room of 30 people who have been Christians for a huge chunk of their life. And every time people are blown away by this conversation and essentially start to realize that they're missing a huge piece of the gospel and the freedom that's in it. So today we are talking about the freedom, freedom. You're going to like it. So... I'm just going to pass the mic to my friend, my colleague, uh, a woman of so much wisdom and passion, and I just am so excited for you guys to learn more from her on freedom. Here we go. The reason I'm so excited to be part of the podcast today is because Hannah's whole idea of her podcast is that there is more. And this is an area that I think there's more to that we aren't fully engaging and experiencing even as long-term believers, the fullness and the freedom that God offers through the gospel and through Jesus. And so I want to explore this today. Part of the reason I'm passionate about this topic is because I've had to walk through this Um, learning sometimes the hard way to experience the freedom that Jesus has given me through his death and resurrection, but also because over and over I've had conversations with Christians, long-term, really love Jesus Christians, who are still living in guilt and shame from past sin, whether that was before they were a Christian or even since they've been a Christian, but they're not living in the freedom of the gospel. And I have a tendency to fall in this from time to time as well. And I just want to have this conversation because I think that there really is more. So first, I want to talk about just the basic premise. What is the gospel? The gospel is that God, the creator of the universe, is holy and blameless and perfect and because he is that and we as humans are not we are sinful and broken in order to have relationship with God there needed to be a sacrifice for sin so Jesus died and rose again on the third day in order to pay for our sin to pay for all the mistakes that we make in life so that God sees us as holy and righteous. And that is exactly what the gospel is. Jesus died and rose again in paying for our sins in order that we could have a right relationship with God, which is awesome. And this right relationship is for here, for now, for on earth. And I think this is something that has for sure shifted in me over the last year. And that is, I no longer want to communicate the gospel as have a right relationship with God in order to spend eternity with him. Although that's true and that's awesome. Jesus died so that we could have a relationship with God here on earth, right here, right now. That is the good news that we don't have to wait. And so often I have over the years communicated the gospel 
in regards to heaven and hell and eternity and not in reference to relationship with God here on earth right now. When it's just about eternity, a lot of times we turn it into how much sin can I get away with? How much good do I have to do in order to get to eternity? And it's just, it's not the fullness of the gospel. The gospel really is that God, the creator of the universe, wants relationship with you right here, right now, throughout your life, for the rest of your life here on earth. And the bonus is then for eternity in heaven. It's not, okay, accept this. Pray this prayer and and hope I do enough good or don't sin too much in order to not enter into heaven. So that's the first and foremost. So I kind of want to just framework where I'm coming from on this. Really what God wants is to invite us in to an ongoing personal interactive relationship here on earth. That's the good news. That starts right away. That doesn't have to wait until we die. The next part of the conversation that I want to have and the brunt of where we're going to land today is in regards to the freedom of the gospel. Why do I keep saying that? Because I have learned for myself and have watched this in so many other people that we live in a space of guilt and shame and not in the freedom of the gospel. I have had countless conversations of people who still feel guilt for something maybe they've done 20 years ago or something that they did prior to becoming a Christian, or maybe it was even something last year, but they cannot move forward because in some ways they're they're bound by a lie that it's unforgivable, which isn't true. And chances are, if I asked them that, they wouldn't say that it's not forgivable, but there's this, this twisting and lie that, that we land in the space of guilt and shame. And that is opposite of why Jesus came. Jesus came to die and raise again, to pay the penalty of our sin. So it is wiped clean. And I want us to walk in that and to experience the freedom of that. And so a lot of times we get hung up on different things. And I've realized there's about three different areas in which this hangup comes. So when I've had conversations with different individuals and walked through some of these places myself, I have learned there's kind of three areas that happen that keep us from living in the freedom of the gospel. One is the way that we see God. One is the way that we see us. And one is in regards to the way the enemy tricks us and thwarts the truth. So I want to talk about those three things. First, I want to talk about how we see God. Um, How we see God really does have an uh, ability to shift the way in which we think of God. So um, I always want to encourage people to even think about their heavenly or their earthly father and see what traits you have taken from your earthly father and applied to maybe God that aren't true. And again, this isn't a place to beat up your dad. Um, And this, there are going to be some parts today that sound a little more like they're in the counseling field than they are in the spiritual field. But I promise you, I promise you, it really will all draw us back to God because we need to see what is in our mind that may be having an impact on how we see God and see the gospel. So although most of us could probably communicate the gospel in regards to what I just said, 
there is a difference between communicating it and knowing it and actually understanding it for ourselves and living in the freedom of it. And that's what I want to talk about today. So uh, back to our dad conversation. I want to just encourage you, what are things that maybe you have applied to God that are not true that you saw from your earthly father? Or in it may be another parental figure. So the example I give is... Um, I grew up with fantastic parents. I can't say enough positive things about them. They were kind and they loved Jesus. And again, I could say a lot of really positive things about them. When I was younger, in my mind, my sister was my dad's favorite and my brother was my mom's favorite. And because of this, what I started to learn and do was I recognized to get attention or favor or applause in some ways I could just work real hard or do certain things be real good and I could earn kind of this favor now I didn't know that that's what was happening in my mind and I'm confident my parents didn't know that's what was happening in my mind and so what I learned ultimately was an earned form of love so I would do these things my parents would show me love and attention and so my takeaway essentially was you can earn love which is a real hard thing to unlearn as an adult when you recognize that this is then how you apply it to God and so for a long time not realizing it I applied this idea to God that in order to get his love, I needed to be worthy of it. So I needed to work real hard. I needed to do ministry. I needed to, you know, spend a lot of time with him, fill in the blank. And so I created forms of ways to earn God's love, which is, if you know the gospel, which we just talked about, is the absolute opposite of the whole Bible, right? It's ultimately that God loves us. We don't earn it or deserve it. He just loves us. And I had to unlearn the earning mentality. And so at times, because of circumstances or life, we have applied things to God and made him to be in a particular way or characteristic. Maybe your dad was really mean or maybe your dad was really nice. And either way, you may be applying some of those characteristics or traits or the way that you interacted with them uh, towards God that can, at times, uh, create a shift in regards to how you should be interacting with God. And so just recognize that. Maybe think about it in your own mind. Are there things that have happened or that you have applied to God that you shouldn't have? And that is keeping you, ultimately, the reason I'm having this conversation, it's ultimately keeping you from the freedom of the gospel. The way that I viewed God because of my dad genuinely kept me from experiencing the freedom of the gospel. I didn't have to earn God's love. I didn't have to earn his favor. There was nothing I could do that would make God love me more or less. And I just needed to learn how to rest in that. So ultimately throughout scripture, God talks about his love for us over and over. Old Testament, New Testament. It's ultimately a love story. He continues in his graciousness to invite us back into a loving relationship with him. Um, a couple years ago, I was reading through scripture and I kept coming across the word steadfast and ultimately steadfast love over and over. And I was finally like, what in the world does steadfast even mean? And it means 
unwavering, unrelenting. It's used 196 times in the Bible. God's unwavering, unrelenting love for us over and over. He ultimately loves us and wants relationship with us. And that has to be our starting ground for understanding who he is and being in relationship with us, with him. He is for us. He wants relationship with us. And so the way we view him really does create a shift or can create a shift in experiencing this inviting, endearing, unwavering love for us. One of my favorite verses in regards to the steadfast love is Psalm 94, 18. When my foot slips, O Lord, your steadfast love held me up. Over and over, we see his loving, gentle kindness for us. And so there are things in our lives at times that create obstacles for experiencing the fullness and the freedom that God offers simply because we have a misperception of him And so that is one thing to pay attention to is how do you view God? And is that in line with scripture? The next part of the conversation is how we see ourselves. First of all, let's just say any gift, any free gift, even if a friend comes over and says, hey, I'm going to buy you dinner. There's a part of us that has a hard time accepting it. So now we have the creator of the universe who spoke things into being, who says, I want relationship with you. I am going to pay for all your sin through my son and you owe nothing. And there's a part of us that just has a hard time accepting that. But throughout scripture, over and over, God talks about this. This is a free gift. And so I want to talk about a few scriptures. I want to start with Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's real plain there. If you follow Jesus, there's no condemnation for your sin. John 8.36 says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Hebrews 10.17 says, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Over and over, we see scripture that keeps talking about, hey, you're free. Your sins are forgiven. I'm not going to remember them. They're gone. And so this is really genuinely good news. If you think about John 3.17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the good news of Jesus. Jesus didn't come in to point at everybody and say, look what you're doing wrong and to judge them and to make them feel terrible. No, God sent his son as a loving dad to invite you in. I'm not coming to condemn you. He's coming to save you. He's sending Jesus to save us. And we get to live in this space where we are free. There's no condemnation. Galatians 5.1 is one of my favorites. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. This is the one I want to talk about for a second. I love that it says, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Time and time again, we struggle because we struggle with sin. 
right? And we know that. And so I want to say right now that when Jesus died, he died for past, present, and future sin. And what happens is so often, and I found this in myself, and I've found this in conversation, is we kind of knew and understood that Jesus died and forgave all of our sin at the point of conversion. But once we're a Christian, even though we know we're not going to be perfect, there's some part of us that really struggles that when we sin, that somehow this wasn't forgivable. And even if we don't use the phrase unforgivable, we function in a way that we stay bound by guilt and shame. That's why I like Galatians 5.1 so well, because it says don't go back to a yoke of slavery. Don't go being enslaved to something that you don't have to be enslaved to. And sometimes we are enslaved to sin, not necessarily the addiction of the sin, but of the guilt and shame from it. I use the illustration of running a marathon. If I were running a marathon and at the 11 mile mark, I fall. And instead of getting up and running towards the 12 mile mark, I keep just going back to the 11 mile mark and talking about how I fell there and how I messed up my whole race, right? And so I get up and maybe I start running towards the 12 mile mark and maybe even I get to the 13 mile mark, but I still keep going back to the 11 mile mark you would say, this is, this makes no sense. You're not getting up and moving forward. But this is what we do at times with sin. We stay in the brokenness of a mistake that we made years ago, months ago, maybe even it was yesterday. But God really did know that he was going to forgive our sins for past, present, and future sin. And this is why I am experiencing so many Christians who are not living in the freedom of the gospel. For freedom, Christ has set us free. We don't have to live in guilt and shame. We don't have to be bound by chains that aren't locked. We don't have to believe these lies that God can't use us because we sinned. He knew we were going to sin. I want to talk about the word sanctification for a second, which is a big word. Just bear with me. The word sanctification means the continual work of the Holy Spirit in the believer in order for you to conform to the image of God. God is not surprised that we are going to go through a continual process to become more like Jesus. We are not perfect. The reason he had to send Jesus is because he knew we weren't going to be perfect, which is why Jesus was perfect and we are not, which is why we rest in what Jesus did and we don't have to earn it or deserve it. And there's nothing we can do to earn it or deserve it. It is a free gift that God has given us through Jesus that he sees us right and holy and pure, even though we still struggle with our flesh. Over and over in scripture, it says we'll struggle with our flesh. Galatians 5.17 says, For the desire of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. We're going to wrestle between our spirit and our flesh. Paul talks about it in Romans. We see it here in Galatians. Over and over, our flesh and our spirit are going to battle each other. But we can continue to be rest assured that we are free in Jesus. That we can experience the freedom of the gospel. And that's why I want to talk about sanctification. The word is in scripture and it's in reference that we will be in a continual work. That 
it's not that at the moment of conversion we suddenly function and we are no longer wrestling between our flesh and our spirit. God knew we would continue to wrestle between our flesh and our spirit. And he says, hey, it's a sanctification process. It's similar to being a chef. If I had gone to culinary school and become a chef, I would be considered a chef the day I graduated. Now, it doesn't mean that the day I graduate, I am suddenly perfect in that field. It means I'm still probably going to screw up some recipes. I'm probably going to burn some food. I'm probably going to mess up. But hopefully, day one looks very different than year 20. Hopefully by my 20th year of being a chef, I'm not making the same mistakes. I'm not functioning in the same way. And that is the sanctification process of what God does with us. Upon conversion, there is no doubt we are entered into a relationship with God. There's nothing we can do that will make him love us more, that will make him love us less. He knows we are going to sin and that we are going to struggle, that the flesh and the spirit are going to battle against each other. And that's why he's grateful for he's created the sanctification process. But it does not mean that we are perfect upon conversion. And so we can't hold ourselves to this. And what I have seen happen and I have done myself is when I fall into sin, when I give into temptation, then there's a temptation to one, not run to God, but to run from God, or even to give ourselves our own punishment that we can't teach a particular Bible study or we can't do something that's spiritual because clearly we're not spiritual if we just fell into sin. And these are all distortions of truth. Yes, if we sin, we need to go to God and to ask for forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We know this. I'm not saying to take advantage of God's grace and to just live in sin. But what I am saying is that we don't have to be so hard on ourselves. And that's where I go back to the way that we view ourselves will affect whether we live in the fullness and the freedom that the gospel offers. So a friend of yours may have the same struggle, fallen into the same sin, done the same things, and you will look at them. And you will look at almost anybody and say, yes, God can forgive you. God can forgive you. But there is something that keeps you from looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, God can forgive me. And we are always so much harder on ourselves than we are on anybody else. And so my encouragement is to recognize that you cannot see yourself as unworthy of this gospel message of living in the freedom that he offers we don't have to keep going back to the 11 mile market saying oh my gosh can you believe what we did yes god knew what you did and it says he forgets this year past sins he literally forgets them and we don't have to go back and remind him we go we ask for forgiveness i also love first john 3 21 beloved if our heart does not condemn us we have confidence before god what does that mean it means Spend some time with God. Ask him, is there anything I need to be forgiven of? Is there anybody I need to forgive? And you ask for forgiveness and you forgive those that have hurt you and you move forward. We have confidence before God. God says, you can come to me. You can approach my throne because ultimately of what Jesus has done, but because you're forgiven and you're free and you don't have to live in guilt and shame from past sin or sin that was against you, you can live in the freedom that he offers. 
And that is what I want to see every Christian experience because I think if we lived in the fullness of the freedom of the gospel, we would see spiritual transformation. And this is where I want to talk about the enemy for a second. This is what I call him winning twice. So at times we fall into temptation and we sin. And so that is kind of the first win, right? And you're annoyed. I get annoyed at myself like, dang it, I can't believe I fell for that. But then the second one is when we won't move forward. And so it goes back to we aren't living in the freedom or we give ourselves our own punishment that we can't do some sort of ministry thing because of our sin, that God couldn't use us because of our sin, fill in the blank. Now, if you look at scripture over and over, God uses all sorts of sinful people, right? (laughs) Over and over in scripture. He's not picking the elite, perfect, functioning people. He's actually picking those who are falling into sin, who are broken, and he uses them. And so the enemy wants us to feel like our sin in some ways is unforgivable, but that's not true. That is a lie. And so I want to just talk about um, how the enemy tricks us. One is, we just talked about it, that once we sin, that we feel like we can't get up and keep moving that we can't be used by God. That's just, it's just such a blatant lie. The second thing I want to talk about in regards to the enemy is he is not creative. God is amazingly creative. The enemy uses kind of the same tactics all the time and he's figured out what works for you. And so something that I want to encourage you to do is just pay attention to the three or four ways in which the enemy continues to pour salt in the wound in your life or try and trip you up. And what I've learned is there's usually three or four kind of ways, at least that's the way for me. Now, I use the example often, nobody ever offers me drugs or alcohol. Drugs and alcohol is not an area of weakness or addiction that I have wrestled with in my life. I'm grateful for that. And that's true. And so because that's not an area of weakness, I don't find myself ever being tempted by it and people aren't trying to tempt me with it. But I have struggled with suicidal ideation And years ago, I had a crazy, uh, ultimately a a crazy healing that had happened. And God delivered me from so many of those uh, suicidal thoughts. Now I know that doesn't always happen. And I struggled with that for a lot of years before that did. Anyhow, when those thoughts start to creep in, ultimately the lie that I believed for so long when I was suicidal was that the world would be better without me that I was failing, I wasn't perfect, I wasn't a good wife, I wasn't a good worker, I wasn't a good daughter, fill in the blank, and that the world would be better without me. And when that particular phrase or line or idea starts to creep in, I know that this is the hand of the enemy. He's not creative. It's the same one all the time. And it's taken me a while, but now I recognize it earlier on than I used to. So I don't fall down the rabbit hole of that. And so one of the things that I want to encourage you to do is think about ways in which the enemy is consistently trying to trip you up because chances are there's a few areas of weakness that you have and he just keeps going to those. So one of that, it helps in defense. So as we've talked today, there is freedom in the gospel. God wants us to live in the freedom that we don't have to live in guilt and shame from our past, that he really has erased it, that it is white as snow. When God looks at you, 
He sees you as holy and blameless and perfect. And that we can live in that. Now, a few things that we've talked about that keep us from experiencing that is the way that we see God. Sometimes we have distorted views of God that we apply to him that are not true and that can keep us from experiencing the freedom of the gospel. Our view of ourselves, often it's because we see ourselves as unworthy of God's love or we have had people demonstrate something that makes us feel unworthy of love that is not true. God loves you. You are worthy of love and you have to be, stop being so hard on yourself and understand how God sees you. Again, as holy and perfect and blameless. And the enemy is always going to try and distort that. Some of that is through ways in which he knows to trip you up. But also he wants you to live in the guilt and shame of past sin. He doesn't want you to experience the freedom of the gospel. Thanks for letting me share today. I really am just so passionate because I want everyone to experience the fullness and the freedom that God has to offer. And it kills me to watch Christians living in guilt and shame and bound by chains that are not locked. I also just want to say that if you are still continuing to struggle with this, and you want to chat about it or ask a specific question, I am completely available. And Hannah will post my information along with this podcast. Word to your mother. The freedom! Man, isn't that an exciting invitation? I've gone through boot camp with Noel, the spiritual boot camp, four times now. And I remember the first time going through it and Noel telling me ahead of time the different topics and that this week would be on the freedom of the gospel. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to teach on that. <laughs> Humility. And then, uh, man, when I heard this teaching, I was like, oh, wow. There are a lot of areas in my life that I'm not actually believing this. Like I exactly what Noel said. I can think it's uh, true for other people, but I don't always believe and walk out and live and interact with God like it's true for me. Um, man, I'm just prayerful that this conversation, this teaching is as earth-shattering to you and encouraging to you and inviting to you as it is for all of these individuals who we've watched go through this spiritual boot camp and realize the freedom and the fullness that we are invited into. Noelle mentioned you can reach out to her. Yes, we would love to hear from you to talk about this in any more detail, to walk it out, um, answer any questions, or just you want to message Noelle about it. If you head to my website, head to hannahnits.com. Up at the top, you could click the button that says say hello. Uh, send us a message there. I will pass it on to Noelle, and she and you can, she and you, her and you, the two of y'all <laughs> can chat and hang out and get practical with some of this stuff. Um, or I'd be very happy to answer any questions as well. Uh, or you can find us on Facebook. If you head to Facebook and look for There's More Podcasts, you can follow along um, and just, you know, see our pictures and when new episodes come out. Or you can give me any ideas. Do you have something that you would love to hear? on the There's More podcast. Is there a topic? Is there a thought? Is there a conversation? Is there a question? Hit me up, y'all. 
I'm supposed to come up with these, you know, once a week. That's a lot, a lot of podcasts. So I would love to hear your ideas. Thanks again for joining us uh, for this conversation on the freedom of the gospel. I just want you to know, friends, I want you to taste it and to experience it. Just the fullness, the freedom, the goodness that God gives, not just on day one, not just salvation, but every single day as we seek him. Hey, have you heard? Have you heard the news? There is more.